Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, beautiful people. Welcome to The Art of Kindness, where we have compassionate conversations with artists from all areas of the entertainment industry who are using their voice to spread joy and make this big spinning planet in the sky a better place to be. I'm Robert Peter Paul, and I'm so glad you're here. Happy April. I hope this episode finds you well. And if you're not well, if you're not at your best, I don't blame you. There's a lot going on in the world right now. I've been asking myself over and over again, how can I stay balanced in a world that is off balance? I don't know the answer. I mean, if you know the answer, please email us at artofkindnesspodcast at gmail.com or on social media at artofkindnesspod or at Rob Peter Paul. You like the way I just kind of slipped my stuff in there, huh? The little promo. <laughs> but seriously, I think if I had to choose something for me, it all starts with gratitude. You know, those days where I'm feeling low and like everything is wrong and nothing is going my way. When I just take a moment to really think about the things that I have and what I'm grateful for, it all brightens. You know, the sun comes out a little bit. It's kind of like a magic trick. So if you want to join me in thinking about listing some things you're grateful for, you know, go on and grab a pen or open up the notes app in your phone. I'll wait. Go for it. Go, go. Come on. You got it? (laughs) Let's do this. Come on. Okay. Just think about maybe three things you're grateful for. Start off with that. A really major point for me right now is my health. I am so grateful for my health. I think obviously that's a hot topic given what we all just went through and are still going through. So that's definitely one to think about. Of course, you know, nothing is more important than your loved ones. So we got to give our loved ones some credit there. That's something to be grateful for. And there are countless things, you know, your home, your shelter, the food you're able to eat every day. Just on a basic level, we have a lot to be grateful for. It's actually a wonderful morning exercise. So right when you wake up, think about three things you're grateful for, and it kind of starts the day on a much more positive note. I think we've talked about it on here before. Gratitude just recenters me, and I hope that that helped you a little bit today, wherever you're listening. And speaking of gratitude, I am grateful for you. Thank you for tuning into our show once again. Today's guest is the amazing Adrian Martinez. You'll no doubt recognize this modern-day character actor from one of your favorite TV shows or movies. 
Seriously, peeps. With over 100 television and film credits to his name, Martinez has been hustling through the industry for a while now. Some standout roles include The Secret Life of Walter Mitty opposite Ben Stiller, Casa de Mi Padre opposite Will Ferrell, I Feel Pretty as Amy Schumer's office buddy Mason, Elliot the Dog Catcher in the CGI and live-action reimagining of Disney's Lady and the Tramp, and the film Focus opposite Margot Robbie and Will Smith. I feel the need to note that Adrian does talk about experiencing kindness from Will while on the set and working on that movie. This was recorded well before the great Oscars debacle of 2022, and I wanted to leave it in as a reminder that humans are indeed complex. On the television front, Adrian recently starred in ABC's crime drama series Stumptown, and in the CBS all-access comedy No Activity, produced by Will Ferrell and Funny or Die. Adrian was also a series regular on NBC's The Blacklist, Redemption. During our interview, we dive into his directorial debut, I, Gilbert, a drama feature that he wrote starring himself, Dasha Polanco from Orange is the New Black, and Raul Castillo from Looking. The movie is currently available on demand. Without further ado, please enjoy the amazing Adrian Martinez. Hello. Adrian, hello. Hello, Robert. I feel like I just saw you because we watched Office Christmas Party over Christmas with my family. Ah, that's uh, quite a movie. Yeah, but honestly, we can say that about so many of your movies because you're such a recognizable actor and you really just created such an incredible career for yourself. And I want to get into that. And of course, your newest project, I, Gilbert. Just to start out, I know you probably get a lot of compliments and people just coming up to you on the street all the time, recognizing you from random stuff. So I would love to know, how are you at accepting compliments when you receive them? Actually, you know, I've gotten better at it, you know, because at the end of the day, they're just saying, we see you, which is the theme of my movie is people connecting and actually seeing each other on a human level and not just on social media where it's all these, uh, let's just say exaggerations of these perfect lives without really knowing who these people are. Uh, yeah. So when someone comes up to you and they say, hey, I saw you in this or that, uh, I'm very receptive and I, I always find a compliment to return to them because I think it matters. Yeah, wow, you've perfected it because that's one thing that a lot of people I talk with have struggled with. And I know I struggle with. You wanna compliment them back when they give you this nice language gift or whatever it is however you want to phrase it and it can be hard when you don't know the people especially so good for you i mean you can just look at someone and you can see where they're at like how they're dressed how they speak that they just interrupt a meal or or did they wait until the meal was done which is uh important you know they they give off clues yeah well you're a great observer so i'm sure you're really good at picking those up which i want to obviously talk about further but what does kindness mean to you before we kind of dissect it through the lens of your career kindness means to me uh, the willingness to be thoughtful and generous uh to someone with absolutely no expectation of it coming back it's a gift it's the willingness to give someone a gift and let that be enough and just let it land i was thinking about you today and here I, i brought you these roses that's it am i expecting a bouquet of roses in return no i'm not But it's important to just 
give something. And, and that's, that's to me what kindness is. It's just that generosity, that thoughtfulness, and you just put it out there and you put a smile on somebody's face and you let that be enough. And the irony is, of course, is that I get back so much more than I feel I give. Yeah. Like people are always so receptive to, to an act of kindness. And then without even knowing or expecting it, you get back something that you hadn't anticipated, just that sense of connection. It goes back to that word. I think you put that so well, and that is something that is pulsing throughout the theme of your new movie. The research actually shows that people that are kinder and are happier and are nicer to others in their life actually have better lives. And just on a simple example, people that smile, we find them more quote-unquote attractive. So the research literally backs up what you're saying, and it is so simple and easy to be kind. But do you think growing up you witnessed a lot of kindness, or is it something that you look back on now and feel like you've really learned and I guess made a priority as you've gotten older. It's interesting because the people that I knew growing up and that are still in my life are the people that relentlessly gave me acts of kindness. Uh, the friends from school, uh, the thoughtfulness that they afforded to me, it just sort of stayed with me. And at the time, I wasn't really uh, mindful of the fact that they were being kind. It just like was just grateful. Uh, but I didn't really articulated to myself, wow, they're being kind and I must now be kind to them. And I, I hope I can stay with them and they can stay with me my whole life. No, it just naturally evolved to a point where it became something that was reciprocated and, and they're still in my life because you need that. I mean, I, I remember reading uh, The Power of Myth by Joseph Campbell. He basically sort of like dissected different cultures from all over the world. And when he was talking about Indian culture, he I remember he would say that there's something called the net of gems, where it was a metaphor for the world uh, and everyone in it. If you look at a net of gems, it's gorgeous. But if you take one gem out and you look, it, it, it's nice. But when you put it back into the net of gems, one gem reflects off the other. And the collective is more powerful and more glistening than just one alone. And it really became for me an example of how to live. It's important to live in that net because we're all interconnected. So the kindness I give out to you is reciprocated to me. And together, there's a collective kindness that illuminates the world. That's the goal. Yeah. Wow, you're just dropping knowledge left and right. Hit me even, <laughs> hit me even further because I made my fiance watch in timeline order the Marvel movies and we finished Endgame last night, which I won't spoil for people that still haven't watched it. But just on a the same level, it's like once they have all those stones, there's so much more power than one on their own for the inner geek in me to come out. So I think that's a really cool example. You mentioned the people that are still in your lives are the ones that really gave you these acts of kindness. Do you have any stories that stand out that you think affected, I guess, more so the trajectory of your career in the arts? Well, it's interesting because I started I Gilbert 10 years ago. I, yeah. I wrote it 10 years ago and uh, it was my first film script. And I, I was nervous about it because the first time you do anything, you're not really sure how it's going to play out. And I have been doing a play at the public theater with this writer, uh, terrific writer, Jose Rivera, who got a Oscar nomination for a script he wrote called The Motorcycle Diaries, based on Che Guevara's Young Life. And 
he was certainly a mentor and he wrote all these award-winning plays and he invited me to be in one. And so I, I dove in, I did my best. And then he would ask me to do a reading here and a reading there of his plays. And then one time I volunteered that I, I was working on a script and his act of kindness was to invite me into his writing group for free, uh, meeting every couple of weeks. And I would bring in different scenes from my script and the different writers in the group would read different characters and I would get to hear the dialogue. And then I would get notes from these very smart people on how to improve the script or what they felt was missing or what they felt was strong. And that was the beginning of Ian Gilbert. And it happened out of an act of kindness because really Jose validated me as a writer. He didn't say, oh, you're just a beginner. You know, I don't really know. He said, no, just bring it in. Let's work on it. Let's dive in. And that's something that now, 10 years later, has led to the release of the movie. So it's mm -hmm. all interconnected. But it began with him being kind enough to say, welcome. Well, I would even take it a step back further and say it began with you believing in yourself enough and opening up enough to actually tell him about the project and put it out there, because that alone is really hard for people, I think. Yeah. Well, it does take courage to live the life you want. But yeah. for me, it became a choice between courage or just feeling haunted by the talent that I knew was there and that I wasn't living up to. So mm -hmm. I sold my property in New York. And I financed my own movie that way. And I told my kid, the good news is daddy's making a movie. And the bad news is you're not going to college. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I, I'm okay. I've since made that money back. But, I, <laughs> but initially it was a terrifying risk to just dive in. Um, but I had to be kind to myself. I had to honor my dream. I didn't want to live the life of someone haunted by his talent. Yeah. Do you think that's what gave you that belief in yourself to take that chance? Because again, it's really hard for people, especially in a world now more than ever, where actors, writers you really have to create your own work before someone else is going to bring you a part of their bigger or high profile project or whatever you want to call it. And I think people have these ideas, but it can be so scary to be vulnerable and actually write it, create it, and then follow through and pitch it out or just make it yourself. So do you have any yeah. advice for that? Well, I would only say that everybody's scared, yeah. whether it's a beginner or whether it's someone who's just won an Oscar. I remember I was doing a publicity junket for this movie I did with Will Smith and Margot Robbie called Focus. Mm. And we were so good. in Buenos Aires. And most of the questions went to Will, of course. And I was astounded by the questions, which were like, uh, your last movie really wasn't a box office hit. Do you feel like you need this movie to be a hit to counterbalance the fact that your last movie was a flop? And I thought to myself, you've got to be kidding, because the context of Will Smith is that he has made billions with a B uh, uh, of money uh, for these various different studios. And he has proven himself a thousand times over he has nothing left to prove. Uh, so the very question was ridiculous. So it just goes to show you, though, that uh, people are scared for him. Uh, he doesn't let on that he's scared about being a box office, like staying number one and all this. But it doesn't end. Like in this mm. business, you always have to keep proving yourself. 
but you can't let that debilitate you into thinking that you're not enough because of course you are. That's wonderful advice because if you don't think you're enough at you know, a level like me who's auditioning and trying to book something, then you're not going to think you're enough. No, you know, it's just going to keep going. You're going to keep wanting and chasing that next thing. And I, I love that you brought up these ridiculous questions because that's part of the reason I started this podcast after having worked for various magazines and celebrity news TV shows over the years. I was astounded too by these questions. And when you look at our society, it's like you are what you put out there in a way. And we've built society where salacious and negative headlines are really what sells. And so, you know, even though there are these acts of kindness and wonderful people out there, unless you're Dolly Parton saving somebody on the set of your Christmas movie, which was a wonderful article that I read and didn't even get that much attention, by the way, you know, you're not, you're not going to be spotlighted that much. So I think that's, that's cool that you picked up on that. I have so many questions on I Gilbert and, and the people that you've worked with, but just to kind of truncate the CVS receipt that is your amazing resume <laughs> of acting in different projects over the years, it's so long. What I find really interesting is that you cut your teeth on being such a memorable co-star or day player where you don't necessarily get a ton of screen time, but over the years, you've just really left your mark and become so memorable. I know for me, those auditions are sometimes the hardest to nail because, you know, you have a couple lines and you want to play the truth of the character and kind of just be yourself, but then you also want to be memorable and maybe flex your skills. Do you have any tips on how you've created these memorable performances when you haven't had that much screen time? I guess even especially with the audition for it back when, I don't know if you still have to audition, but back when you had to. I get offers a lot, Yeah, but I, I still have to audition too. <laughs> So it's a mixed bag. And I'm open to both because the whole point is to keep moving and keep going. But before I answer your question, I do want to add this one little anecdote about Will Smith because it, it's about kindness. Um, it was my first day on Focus and the scene took place in an ambulance and they had lights right above me. I was in a polyester suit. There was no air in it wow. at all because, you know, fans would make sound and that can't happen. and Will Smith was sitting over me and Margot Robbie was on the other side. And the whole scene is them flirting with each other while I'm just laying there like, you know, <laughs> dead meat. And I was sweating. I was sweating my butt off. And, and Will took out of his back pocket his personal handkerchief and he just dabbed the sweat off my forehead. Oh. And he didn't say anything. He just did that. And he just put it away. And I knew from that very simple act of kindness, I knew in that second that I was going to be safe on this movie and that he had my back. Mm. And it led to me doing some of my best work on film. Thank you, Will Smith. Love is an action <laughs> verb, you know? And I'm sure you've probably experienced the opposite too, so, which made you maybe value that moment yes, even more. I have. But that stays with me when I think about him. To answer your question, listen, the character doesn't know that he's a day player. Mm -hmm. The character is the character. And for that one minute or two minutes of screen time, you're the star. You're the one that everyone is watching. So that's my approach is that I don't think of it as anything less or more. It's, it's a character. That character has a backstory like anybody else. I make sure there is one. I always try to make uh, the character my own, whether it's a full lead role like I Gilbert or a supporting role like Focus or whatever it is. Each character is a three-dimensional person, and that's my approach. And then I, I make sure I, I learn my lines as much as possible, and then I dive in, and I really try to dissect how I, Adrian, 
can make this particular character different than how anyone else would do it. Mm. And so I dig deep into my imagination where most of my work comes from. And I really try to come up with a physicality or a voice or something that makes my interpretation of this role unique. And that's what starts the journey. Yeah. And you succeed in that. I forget what movie it was, but wasn't there a part where you were always eating an avocado or holding an avocado? Yeah, that's a good example. <laughs> it was uh, with Will Smith. Uh, no, Will uh, Ferrell. Casa de mi padre. Mm. And <laughs> it's interesting <laughs> because I just, it's called like the psychological gesture. Uh, and it's basically like you just think of a prop or something that's to you represents who this character is. And because it takes place in Mexico, although we shot it in Simi Valley, California, <laughs> uh, I just thought about this guy always like using an avocado. Like when he's nervous, he eats the avocado. When he's confident, he grabs the avocado and plays with it. Like I just saw it. And I, 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 uh, I approached uh, the director about it. And he said, wow, that's, that's, that's an interesting choice. Let's, let's, let's put it in there. And, and you see it in the movie, like every once in a while, I'm like taking up the avocado. Like, yeah. But it just kind of like connected me to the role. And it was funny when it's a comedy. Um, so it worked. Yeah, that's really smart. I think when you can endow a prop with meaning and have something yeah. to physically kind of ground you in the scene. And then what I also yeah. love is that I think I read or heard somewhere for you acting really boils down to, is it five R's? Yes. Robert, Reveal, you know, Robert. Relax. Yeah. <laughs> Reveal, relax, remember, rip, and risk. And I can go into it now if you want or not. But uh, it's, it's, it's been very helpful to me. Uh, yeah, because... I think the, the rip one, maybe, if you want to... Well, the rip is the most important one because it's basically you are ripping out your choice from your soul. Like in tango music, and I got to study a lot of... When I went to Buenos Aires, all I did was go see tangos. And they have something there called a duende, which is when you perform from the most sacred part of your heart and soul. And you just like rip out your creative choices, your voice. You get as primal and as raw and as revealing as you possibly can. That's the duende. That's from the sacred place from where they sing and perform. And that is the challenge for the actor when he auditions or when he performs is to make sure that the scene you're doing is coming from that duende, from that sacred place where you've got nothing left to give because it's there already. Hmm. That's the duende and that's the rip. I guess that's part of it too with the five hours, but have you found there's certain things that kind of get you there? Whether you're doing a big emotional scene or whether you're just doing a couple lines, like I'm doing an episode next week a television show called New Amsterdam. It's on NBC. Just auditioned for that. <laughs> Did you take my part? No, I'm just kidding. It's the role of a doctor, which is cool. And I have one scene that's pretty meaty with, with Ryan and one scene that just kind of like, you know, exposition, just like go that way or something like that. Mm -hmm. uh, but whatever it is, I really try on the day to just get myself into a place where I feel safe, where I can really just kind of like be in tune with myself, be kind to myself, Make sure I'm not eating anything too carby. I don't want to be, be belching the whole day. Make sure, <laughs> That's hard with crafty sometimes. Uh, <laughs> right. Or I make sure that I'm just like, I'm in my trailer um, and I'm just focused. I put on some jazz on my headphones. And I really just try to find myself into a, a place where I'm connected with myself as much as that 
can mm. possibly be. Uh, and that's the foundation. Yeah. I'm going to call it the handkerchief approach, feeling safe, how Will Smith gave you that hanky. Yes. So many people <laughs> over the years have been lucky to work with you and you've been lucky to work with just some incredibly regarded people in the industry from Tina Fey to Amy Schumer to Ben Stiller to Dasha in, in your new film. Do any stand out to you as really, I guess even this would go with the directors or, or the EPs on set. Do any stand out for you as creating a really positive environment that you then wanted to try and emulate when you were in charge on set? Yes. I mean, I always think of Sidney Pollack, who directed me in a movie I did back in the day when I was starting out called The Interpreter. And I was nervous. You know, he was an Oscar winner. And I was working with Nicole Kidman, Oscar mm -hmm. winner. And I had this scene where um, I run like this sound room in the, at the United Nations. It was the first time that United Nations allowed a movie of that scale into their hallowed ground. And I was nervous. Sidney Polly came up to me and he was like, listen, Nicole's a good actor and she's got you. So just understand that you don't have to be perfect here. Mm. You just have to breathe and do your best because we've got the time and it's a safe place. So don't worry about it. And I was like, yep, okay, thank you very much. I, I just, I let that kind of sink in for myself. And um, my problem was on that day is I wasn't breathing. And it's so, 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 uh, so simple, but taking a deep breath and really breathing just helps you connect to that part of you that you're going to need to perform. Yeah. When you see an actor forcing his performance or messing up an audition, it's because he's not breathing. She's not breathing. And I wasn't breathing on that day. And then I started to breathe after he said what he did. And I found my center. And then I was able to do the same. His kindness, his generosity is something that stays with me. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I'm sure you see now as a, as a director, maybe when you watch people's auditions, that I've noticed is that a lot of times actors will just exhale and let out all the air right before their audition. Have you seen that? They're like, <sighs> and then they start the scene. Yeah. And that's kind of exactly the opposite of what you're saying is we have to remember to take the breath in and breathe or, you know, it depends on the character. But I think that's really great advice to kind of highlight, too. Thank you for sharing that story. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of times, uh, well, everything's kind of like now I audition when I do audition on self tapes and, and on Zoom, if it's a callback, it's on Zoom now. Yeah. But when I used to have to audition in person, I remember some casting directors really just trying to just like whip right through it and not really even ask if if the actor was ready to go. They would just jump into the first line. And I would always interrupt and say, I'm sorry, I just need a moment. Mm. I just need a moment. And and I don't mean like take a three minute walk. I mean just like step back. Take a deep breath, look at your dialogue, and then go. And you have the right to do that as the actor. You have the right. And a casting director worth their salt will give you that opportunity because they want you to do their, your best work. You know, they're not there to make you fail. I just, sometimes they just get, they're running late or they get sucked up, sucked up in the machine and 
you know, let's go, let's go, let's go. But it's up to you, the actor, to to just reclaim your space and say, I just need a moment. Yeah, that's really important. I think a lot of people are afraid to advocate for themselves, especially when it might seem like the person on the other side of the table isn't rooting for you and they're eating their lunch. But usually they're just doing the best they can with the crazy schedule that they have, too. So taking that second to just recenter everybody, (laughs) I think, is never a a bad idea it's being kind to yourself yeah there you go the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70 yard field goal it probably won't go well so set a limit when you gamble and stick to it Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Well, one thing, I think, somebody that could have maybe learned some lessons in being kind to themselves, well, we wouldn't have had a, a movie necessarily, but with I, Gilbert, just to have a trunky transition into your film, I really loved hearing about the inspiration for the movie. Would you mind just kind of summarizing the moment? I guess it was 10 years ago. Yeah. I, uh... I was on the subway and minding my business. And this guy just walked up to this attractive lady and just started taking photos like right close to her face. And she was like, what the hell are you doing? She felt offended. She was being violated. Uh, This man was in her personal space for no reason. And then he just very calmly got off the train on the next stop. And it haunted me. Like, I just wanted to know what happened to this guy that he thinks that he can do that? Like he felt, it felt so dehumanizing, not just to her, but to himself, that he would just be able to do that without any fear of consequence or any concern for how she would experience this. It just started really messing with my head. Like, who is this person? And because I see it a lot, I've seen it a lot. And then, you know, now I have a teen incredibly uh, uh, I have a teen daughter and I was like who who is she gonna pick out of this group like I mean like like where is this going and I felt like a story needed to be told about disconnection and about people in the underbelly of society who uh, have broken skills and you know are out there doing things that they shouldn't be doing but why? Like, I feel like it all has to be unearthed and examined. And we live in a culture that doesn't want to do that. But it keeps happening more and more. And so I go, but it's just an attempt to explore what that's about. And at the same time, hopefully, uh, give an allegory of what happens when people live disconnected lives and the consequences of it. Mm. And I think really some of the best stories are the ones that start with questions like that. And and that certainly could play into the success of this world that you've created, which unfortunately, even though it started 10 years ago, I think is even more relevant today than perhaps it was, you know, which is wild, like the disconnection you're talking about. I mean, on so many levels, somebody going up and taking a picture of somebody they don't know is very similar to people posting mean things or videos about people they don't know online and just not caring and that that lack of kindness. It's just so crazy to me and feeling invisible and then using the technology to fill that void and feel safe like we were kind of talking about before. It just rings more true than ever. So 
I guess looking back on the origin of the story and now with its release, do you see anything major things that you changed in that vein over time or like amped up or or was it something that you were just astonished to see <laughs> didn't really need much changing? Yeah, I mean, I, you know, obviously the pandemic has put a lot of hot sauce on on disconnection. Uh, <laughs> I like that. Well, no, I don't like that, but I like that phrase, the hot sauce. <laughs> it's, uh, it's a very difficult time. And my one practical kindness tip that uh, I have is to literally call and text someone. First call, you'll probably get a voicemail and then follow up with the text. I do that with one person a week with someone I have not heard from in a while. And I just check in because it's so easy to not want to talk to anyone, you know, and it becomes something that just kind of like creates its own negative energy. But to have that kindness and to just kind of like reach out and just call someone and say, hey, just thinking about you. I remember when we met, blah, 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 uh, give me a call. I'm, I'm home at this hour and or you can call me at this time. Um, would love to hear from you. Click. Mm. I mean, I've had some of the best conversations with people just by doing that, you know, just by kicking off that conversation. People want to connect. But sometimes they, we just need a nudge. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that's a wonderful tip that everybody should rewind and listen to again, and then maybe do it again. And what's interesting, too, is that you're kind of helping to aid the issue by using something that's a bit part of the disconnection problem, which is, you know, people sucking into their phones and always watching entertainment instead of connecting with other people. But you're using art and entertainment that someone might be watching when they're alone to then inspire them. Maybe by the end of the movie, they're thinking, I don't know why, but I feel compelled to reach out to somebody. So I think that's an amazing thing about your film, too. Thank you, Robert. Well, thank you for making it. Did you do anything, you know, specific on set, kind of like we touched on before, to make people feel a bit more safe and, and comfortable now that you were in the position to do so? I, I mean, I feel like it's interesting because it, it, it touches upon what I said earlier, which is that yeah. I, I spent all I could to feed them really well. <laughs> I didn't <laughs> That's have the a most lot important. of money to pay them, but I fed them very well. Some really good Spanish food and some really good other kinds of food, you know, not just pizza, you know, like pizza is kind of like code for I got a feature. <laughs> so here's a piece. <laughs> yeah, granola bar for breakfast, oh, pizza yeah, for dinner. <laughs> we had some rice and beans on set, and we got, re we got really into it. Um, I know I have all these hyphenates in this movie, but the reality is that the cast and crew carried me the 20 days that we, we shot this movie. Time and time again, um, I felt either exhilarated or I felt despair or I felt frustrated because things happened. People leave the movie if they find, you know, greener pastures uh, or sometimes you get a location and then you lose it and now you're scrambling or the wardrobe got lost on a truck or like all this stuff happens. And it was my first movie. I had done some some shorts in college, but this is the first one full length. And, you know, I feel everything as a person. And whenever something would go wrong on set, I, I would I would really feel it. And, you know, Cynthia Hargrave, who was my co-producer, um, she would talk me off the edge and she was very supportive. Certainly Dasha and Raul and other actors in the cast were, were there for me. And we got through it. 
but the kindness came and in both directions. Yeah. And what an amazing thing to add to your already incredible collection of projects that you've worked on. And I hope you feel really accomplished because, you know, looking back in your life, maybe it's hard to see it from where you are now, but so many people look up to you and wish they could do what you have done. So you're just contributing in so many ways to the arts and thinking about that and this specific experience. Do you have any thoughts on how we can all make the industry a bit kinder going forward into other projects, maybe big blockbuster ones with really big sets where things can sometimes get lost in the shuffle? Yeah, I mean, it, I, uh, I was on the national board for SAG after for four years and I introduced a mentoring program where you can call your favorite star and you would get a 10 minute call with them. And when it was just be about them inspiring you or encouraging you to keep going. For me, that would be like Daniel Day-Lewis. I mean, I would love to work with Daniel Day-Lewis. So mm. I would get 10 minutes. Can you imagine speaking or being spoken to Daniel Day-Lewis telling you to keep going or what he did when he had moments of despair. Like I would just, I'm hoping that that takes flight, but I think that would be a nice systemic way of helping all the actors out here in the struggle to just get a, a pat on the back from someone they, they truly admire. So we'll see how that plays out. That's incredible. I was looking into this foundation called Side Time. Have you heard of them? No. It has a similar idea, but I don't think it, it would have the backing like a sag afterwood so maybe there's some way they could combine but they they have a lot of different people on there from actors to directors who will donate their time depending on the length of the phone call people donate to a specific organization i guess close to the person's heart so i know that was doing pretty well over the pandemic but not on a huge scale like the sag after one would do so i i love that and i hope that that happens and appreciate you for putting the thought into it yeah it would be like a free version of cameo do you know cameo yes so instead of you paying 200 dollars to talk to carrot top you'd be able carrot top would donate 10 minutes of his time to to talk to you and tell you hey look at me i'm carrot top but i'm making a living and i'm doing great and yeah and i think people want to give give back you know people who have been very successful like they want to give back they just they're so busy uh, you just have to remind them that hey uh here's an opportunity for you to be kind and give back and uh nine times out of ten they're going to say yes yeah in my experience back to i think what we kind of touched on before too which is that we don't hopefully do these things to get kindness back, but I think that this would be a wonderful way to, for these titans and people in the industry that are very successful like yourself yeah. to kind of get some of that love back and understand that they're actually making a difference. Because I know, again, that tunnel vision can probably affect some people, or sometimes there's so many people roaring at you that you can't even hear just one person, if that makes sense. So I hope that happens. Yeah. Before I let you go, I do have a surprise game. If you're down to play. <laughs> yes. Okay, it's called the compliment game because we haven't given you enough already. And basically I reached out to somebody in your life for a quote about what they love about you. I'm gonna read you that quote and then you have to guess who said it. Wow, okay. You get three guesses and maybe five yes or no questions. Although, you know, what do I know? I have some hints, but we'll see if I can help you at all. <laughs> 
Everyone's beautiful in their own way. It's the compliment game on the AOK. Okay. It's the compliment. Compliment, compliment game. Alright, so when you're ready, I'm gonna read you your quote. Ready. Okay. Adrian is a beast of an actor on stage and on screen. I first saw him tear it up on stage in Stephen Adley. Oh, I should have learned to pronounce this. Gurgis? Stephen Adley Gurgis's Our Lady of 21st Street, directed by the late Philip Seymour Hoffman. Since then, I'll watch anything he's in, and when he calls, I have to answer. His faith in me is something I will always cherish. Uh, Raul Castillo. Yes! Whoa! You're the first person to get it on the first guess. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you know, people know him from looking and, and a slew of other things, but... Wow, how did you know it was him? Has he told you that before? No. Uh, thank you, Raul. I greatly appreciate that. Uh, you're pretty much a beast, too. Um, <laughs> I, I just put it together because I remember doing that play. Uh, it was really a, an extraordinary experience. And I remember Raul going to see it. Uh, so I just put two and two together. Um, a lot of people saw it, but for so whatever reason, he came to mind. <laughs> <laughs> to turn it around, how do you feel about working with him? He is a beast. Let me explain. You saw the movie, right? So yeah, that that scene between Tony and Jana in the bedroom when they have this big fight scene—that was his first day of work. Wow! There was no time for rehearsals. They were literally just shot out of a cannon, and he went there. Uh, and he, as you saw, did this beautiful layered performance. And that was like, literally like, like just day one. Like I said, listen, I know it's difficult, uh, but I need you to go there. And I kept pushing him and, and Dasha. And I mean, it's a terrific scene and they were wonderful in it. I'm just so proud of him, but he's a beast because it takes a beast to be able to do that. And not every actor can or is willing to invest so much of himself but he certainly did and i own one yeah and the two of them are fire in the movie as are you everyone please go watch i gilbert if you have not seen it thank you adrian for your time it's been such a pleasure to get to talk to you and i wish you the best and just thank you for being such a wonderful example that us actors can look up to in this industry Thank you, Robert. This is something I'm really glad I did. And you made it very easy. Thank you. Oh, thank you so much. I appreciate that. And I hope our paths cross again soon someday. And now it's time for your kindness tip of the week. So as the weather outside is getting a bit nicer and the sun is sticking around, or at least it seems to be, I don't know, the weather is so spotty, right? However, it does seem that spring has sprung. And since we're all thankfully going outside a lot more and able to take walks and hang out under the sunshine, maybe go to the park, your kindness tip of the week is to pick up any trash you see. I know especially in these times, you don't necessarily want to go around touching other people's trash, but... If you do happen to see a water bottle rolling around on the ground or a plastic bag flying in the wind and it's not while watching American Beauty, <laughs> it's actually in real life, then you should go over, pick that up, and just throw it in the trash. You can Purell yourself until the cows come home right after that.
I mean, come on, don't we all just hate litter? Instead of, you know, shaking your head at the water bottle at the park, pick it up and put it in the recycling bin. That's all I'm saying, all right? Mother Nature will thank you, and so will I. Speaking of thanking and being thankful, if you're thankful for this podcast, I would love if you left us a five-star review. (laughs) Please, it really means the world and helps us get the word out there about the show. As always, I'm thankful for you all, and I cannot wait to be back here with you again soon for another wonderful episode of The Art of Kindness. Until then, please remember, everything's going to be A-OK. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the RISE Theater Directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.